Thanks for joining us as we kick off season four of the Hospitality Hangout. And they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> Who said it wouldn't last? Anyway, uh, we are a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Brandon Strategic Hospitality share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner, my friend, the guy I tolerate. No, I'm kidding. Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. Uh, thanks for the kind introduction, uh, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. I am the restaurant guy. And together, Jimmy and I are the personalities behind Brandon Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Jimmy, before we get into it, because we got a great guest and a great show, and we're super excited about it. I just want to mention real quick, my plug that I like to do, the branded marketplace, the branded hospitality marketplace. Is that, yeah. which is it? Is it the branded hospitality market or the branded marketplace? The name of the company or the name of the business or the name of the URL. So the branded hospitality marketplace. The brandedmarketplace.com. If you haven't already been there, check out the brandedmarketplace.com. It is an e-commerce platform designed to give operators in the hospitality space an opportunity to check out some of the greatest, best-in-class technology and innovation solutions, solving some of the biggest problems the industry faces. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, if you want to get on to the uh, marketplace, you can uh, email us at marketplace at brandstrategic.com. If you want to just go and check it out and browse and find some really great solutions, uh, just go to www.thebrandedmarketplace.com. If you put in the coupon code, I love Jimmy, you get a special deal. I, I was unaware of the uh, the I love Jimmy, but I think I appreciate that. I just added that today, yeah. Jimmy. It's good to know. See how many the shameless self-promotion is what I can't get over. We Here we have this amazing guest, and, and you're you're taking oxygen out of the uh, off the podcast. But okay, we respect it. We're very excited Ellison. about the marketplace. But look, we're excited uh, for today's uh, episode. We have a fantastic guest. Our guest is Simon de Montfort Walker, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Oracle Food and Beverage Global Business Unit. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hey, you guys. Thanks for having me. Simon, thanks so much for, uh, for, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Before we take a deep dive into everything going on at Oracle, talking about big boats, Larry Ellison, and everything else, let's learn. We always love to get a little bit more about our guests and how they came to their current positions. Um, you have had leadership roles in multiple technology firms, uh, operational turnaround efforts for technology companies in travel, banking, insurance, and hospitality, both as an operator and in, in upper management, senior management, I dare say. So please take the mic and tell us what led you to your current role at Oracle, and then just give us a little bit about uh, how big those boats are that Larry Ellison has. <laughs> well, th thanks for having me, guys. It's a real pleasure to be here with both of you. Um, you know, look, like, like so many people in the hospitality business, you know, I started my career in and around it. Um, in the industry, my first, the first business I started was really directly related to uh, you know, coffee shops and cafes and, and servicing them. Um, and then I left it for a long time. I left it to be really pure enterprise tech and financial services and insurance. Um, and then had a really unique opportunity to come back um, and focus on it. Oracle bought Micros about six years ago now. Uh, Micros certainly one of you know, really the innovators in terms of bringing technology into a really underserved uh, marketplace and, and Oracle, obviously, one of the great names of technology and innovator, you know, through and through. And, and the combination, I think, you know, should have been one that immediately, you know, brought real real benefits to the industry. It was a bit of a rocky integration. Um, and so I was lucky enough to, to get a chance to come and help really repair that integration. 
um, and bring sort of the best of uh, Oracle and Micros together to serve uh, serve the restaurant operator, to serve the restaurant customer, um, and really deliver you know, on the promise of, of that initial acquisition. I love that. And um, what about the boat? Wait, what about the boat? The boat? The boat? <laughs> what about the boat? Yeah, no boat, no boat invite yet. <laughs> but we're, we're going to work on it for you guys. Okay. All right, keep us posted on that. Yeah, he's got some big ones. Simon's pacing himself. Uh, no, actually, Simon, that's well, you great. Know, but you know what's amazing about Larry though? Larry's also in the restaurant business, and so this is a business that he knows and loves. And so, oh, I didn't you know, know that. Top on down in Oracle, there's there's really? real interest in this business. Yeah, I mean, he's an operator. He's he's extraordinarily knowledgeable about how the business runs, and so it's a very unique uh, position. Where, Wait, where does he own restaurants? I'm just curious. So he's got he's got a series of sushi restaurants on the West Coast. He's got the you know, hotels he's involved in. He's a really remarkable guy, and as I say, you know, he's he knows the industry and is tied to it. All right, Jim, we got to get him on the podcast next. Note to self. <laughs> Hello, Larry. Go. Okay, listen, actually, the, your, your intro, Simon, um, is, is a fantastic kind of uh, transition into what I wanted to ask you about. Here we are, the restaurant industry, making some really big headlines. Um, we are in a transformational phase. And even within the last week, we had Toast, uh, you know, acquisition of Extra Chef. Toast is obviously right now one of the leading or, or kind of newer um, POS point of sale systems. We had Restaurant 365 acquiring compete um there is just a lot of activity and a lot of money being thrown into the space simon in your opinion you know is consolidation the future for restaurant tech um and i understand of course you're not going to give anything too specific unless you want to give gifts to our our listeners but how is oracle positioning in you know itself in the tech and in this evolving market yeah look i mean I, you know whether we like it or not consolidation will continue um, and, I, and I think it, it answers lots of questions for many players in the space. Certainly the fact that, you know, we see capital being relatively inexpensive and there's lots of money floating around to put to work, you know, it's, it's not going to slow down. I think a lot of what we see is really, you know, people consolidating as an answer to sort of, you know, the question customers are asking them about, you know, how do you create integrated solutions? How are you tying together, you know, whether it's like loyalty in point of sale or the back office in point of sale? And... Um, and so we see it largely as a response to that, but it will continue, you know, as more and more money sort of flows into the space. And I think for us, really the question I think that's getting asked by a lot of the consolidation is, you know, how do you create really good integrated solutions for customers for many, many players in space? And you guys will do this in your portfolio, right? It's actually very difficult to have, you know, Integration every loyalty system. Simon, are you walking around the house right now? I, I can stop walking around. I think we're, Come on. we're losing you a little bit. I gotta get, get. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, oh, we were losing you a little bit. I thought you went to the awesome. bathroom or something. No, no, I try not not to not not for this podcast, Jackson. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. <sir. laughs> that's what usually our guests go to the bathroom and then just leave the mic. <laughs> But, you know, integration, right, is, is complex, it's expensive. And so we see the consolidation really as an answer to it. For us, certainly, like, look, do we, do we think about and contemplate acquisitions that we think are, you know, positive for customers and end customers? Absolutely. You know, when we think there's innovation and there's ways that we can improve. You know, I think more important for us is really, you know, the, the core kind of priority is having an incredibly open system that really allows us to touch as many other vendors as possible with live, you know, real-time integration so that our customers have a lot of choice. And so, you know, if you look at where Micros has come in the last three, four years, you know, we've got hundreds of, of vendors we're integrated to, hundreds of vendors in our, our marketplace. So why we have a lot of these conversations. And so, you know, consolidation will continue. Our point of view is that, 
then really the first, the first and most important priority for everyone should be really solid open integrations. If it leads to an acquisition here and there, you know, fantastic. But I, I do think a lot of the acquisition and consolidation we see is really about people just trying to have an answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's probably a very difficult way to get there for a lot of people. Um, but, you know, and, and we will see more and more of it. We just know how that. And, you know, frankly, like from a tech market perspective, and, and obviously you guys will see this as well, you know, valuations are at a historic high. And so there's plenty of people, you know, I think, looking to exit. And so that's also just going to drive this. Yeah, thanks. You know, listen, we we kind of came up with a little uh, a little tagline or motto that we picked up over the last year, and we said that um, really in 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 our industry, which has been very slow to embrace technology, we feel like um, nothing has changed, but everything has been accelerated. So where we are today, it's probably where it would have taken us probably five years to get to with regards to technology. Uh, with the omni-channel platforms, with using your phones for pay and and the QR codes, et cetera. Can you give some insight onto um, what you believe the new standard for operators means for the industry and what tips would you give um, some of the operators listening, some, uh, you know, on, on what the most, to get the most out of technology, what, what kind of things should they be looking at? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we agree wholeheartedly with this acceleration. I think the other tagline for us has really been around, you know, customers and clients who we see being really successful through, you know, all that COVID has been and all the changes in the marketplace have been those that really invested in flexibility. Mm-hmm. And we're ready to kind of think about, you know, their model is not just a you know, dine-in, find dining experience or, you know, a quick serve experience with counter service. There were people who really thought about, you know, how can I have enough flexibility to tune this model day by day and give consumers, you know, frankly, choose your own adventure through that entire experience. And so, you know, I think when we talk to operators, one of the big goals we have is, you know, how do we create models for you that the technology isn't sort of tying you to a process, a service style, or a flow, but really enabling you to kind of pick and choose your way through that um, and still be successful, Right. You know, this is an incredibly complex business. No one ever gives it enough credit uh, in terms of the amount of complexity that your, your average restaurant operator deals with. And so, you know, the technology and where, the, frankly, the technology has failed for a long time is in enabling that flexibility. And so if you look at, you know, post-COVID, right, you know, you've got consumers having experiences on their mobile device with staff in the front of the house. They're, they're touching the kitchen directly from their mobile device, making orders and all these things. Kind of and the technology, frankly, has to support that. Um, you know, I think traditionally we thought a lot about the technology kind of bringing process with it. And I think we're, we're moving away from that pretty aggressively. So, you know, how do you build flexibility with the model? How do you enable yourself to kind of test and play with these things um, without breaking the core of your business? In my opinion, it really becomes key. Because while everything's accelerating, I still think there's plenty to go. And we're really just at the start of this. And so there's going to be lots more experimentation and lots more change to come. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we're, we were way behind here in this industry. So I agree. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I was going to say, you talk about, you know, the changing customer behavior and um, and and we, we and Shad's talked about and, and Brandon subscribed to the acceleration. You know, here, I'm going to drop some knowledge now. I'm dropping some facts. I'm dropping numbers now. I, as the finance guy, I got to go to my sweet spot. And really, I'm using your information because you recently released a report or Oracle did detailing insights about consumer expectations when they're eating out. And here are some of the highlights that I took away from this survey. 73% uh, plan to reduce the use of cash at restaurants. 49% would like to minimize human 
interaction. And 100% of Shachi's children are in that 49%. Oh, um, yeah. 46%. I don't like humans. Yes. 46% want to settle their bill on a mobile app. And this one is my favorite. 71% would not mind if restaurants limited reservation windows restricting the allotted amount of time per table. Please know my father is not in that 71%. I got to tell Jimmy, you, I, that would not do well for me. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, give me the table at eight and I'm going to leave about 11, 30, 12. Shatsy staying till closing. And you know, I don't, I don't leave tables early Shatsy, especially if there's still food and drink on it, but in all seriousness, I was going to say, if, there, if there's still a bottle of McCall <laughs> at the bar, we got to finish it. We got to finish. But in all seriousness, what changes do you believe are here to stay when it comes to consumer behavior? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but like, I never want to wait in line ever again. <laughs> it's the one thing that COVID brought to me that was positive. And so we see these really dramatic changes in terms of just the baseline consumer expectation, right? They don't want to have any of this kind of you know, airtime and these experiences. They want to be able to kind of you know, ease their way into it, whether that's on their mobile device, then have, let's say, like a fine dining experience, but really move through it kind of at their pace and without a lot of sort of like wasted time that's not about the experience, but just about the operation. And I think mm -hmm. when, when we look at the surveys we're doing, all of these responses, and, they, and they've changed, right? Like start of COVID, those responses were like way more towards, you know, never touching cash again. I always want to be having an interaction with my phone and not a person. And we're seeing them come back a little bit, but they, they are still way off where they were pre-pandemic pre in terms of people want control of those experiences. They want to have a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure. When, you know, if we were talking two years ago, we'd talk about a you know, fine dining experience being one about like, you know, phone call, then person-to-person -person interaction. We're now talking about interactions that cross mobile, telephone, you know, service staff, and they've all got to be deeply, deeply integrated. And frankly, the expectation on the end consumer's part is dramatically higher than it ever was, right? And so I think when we look at what's going on in the industry, you've got complexity in the front of the house that's increased dramatically. You've got a consumer expectation that's increased dramatically. And we've got labor costs going up at, at a pretty incredible rate, mm -hmm. right? We've got the supply chain getting tougher. And so, you know, the seriousness and, and, and kind of the fidelity with which all of our operators are going to have to run their business is, is all increasing. Yeah, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for sure. Uh, you know, Jimmy and I had the, had the privilege of, uh, of doing our first in-person trade show uh, since this whole pandemic uh, kind of started. It's funny. It started back in um, in March. Everybody remembers uh, 2020. Uh, we were at the, um, I think it was Mertec at the uh, in Vegas, and there were rumblings of a pandemic. But uh, most of the people were at the show, and then of course uh, we, we this all happened. So uh, we were super excited to uh, to get down to Dallas uh, just a little while ago and go to the first Ghost Kitchen conference. Sounded really spooky and eerie. But it was great, A, to see um, so many familiar faces, uh, meet some new people. But it was really just great to see everybody out and about and really uh, excited to get out back to some of these trade shows that we just think are fantastic. Uh, it was great to see um, this whole Ghost Kitchen um, conference pulled together with some really interesting uh, technology, some interesting innovation. Super exciting. Um, what kind of technology um, can we see rolling over to the restaurant event business over the uh, over the next few months? Do you think? Yeah, uh, you know certainly, and we touch that space both in terms of events as well as you know sports and entertainment and stadiums. Mm -hmm. And so we see more and more of what has happened in 
your, your local restaurant, right, where you're interacting with them on mobile and you want to have kind of experience that feels very personalized, you know, that's coming, right? And the question is, how do you, how do you create that, um, you know, in, in sort of restaurant or in, in you know, events that are that kind of much, much broader, many more people. Um, we are seeing a lot of movement in terms of just broader technology for, for things like, you know, let's use the stadium example, right? You know, how do you use cameras to get people to, uh, you know, the right outlet that maybe has the slowest queue? How do you move people through a facility to an F&B outlet or an experience you want them to have at an event or at a game or something? Um, and really mm-hmm. use kind of the combination of mobile, the combination of sensor, and all of the kind of data you have in a facility um, to do that. And that, that tends to be the conversation we're having more and more when we think about these kind of larger events and, and how the tech plays into it. And, and look, like you know, the experience you've been having with your local restaurant, which has become quite different um, in the last 18 months, the same thing is happening at events, the same thing is happening at, at you know, sports stadiums. It's just a question of how to implement it in that environment. And so we're spending a lot of time on that. And it's a lot of data uh, and a lot of integration, frankly. Oh, you know, thank you, uh, Simon. I'll, I want to continue on this ghost kitchen, you know, conversation because, you know, we've seen. You talking about the cocktail party we had, Jimmy, or no? Well, that's what I was going to talk about. Okay, I, thought that, that, I thought that's the highlight of the people in our cocktail party. I mean, come on. They love me at that restaurant. Anyway, we've <laughs> seen a ton of momentum in the virtual restaurant space. And and to what I, one of the things I find really interesting is how, you know, it wasn't more than a year or so ago when we were trying to take technology and adapt it to the kitchen. And now it's kind of the other way around. We're trying to have a kitchen adopt, adapt to the technology. But my question for you is, you know, what are some of the challenges that you think we can expect, um, you know, in connection with the rise of the virtual brands? And I would say that Brandon's taking a position that by the end of the decade, we think 50% of restaurants are going to be virtual. So we believe this trend's going to continue. But what do you think are some of the challenges we should expect to see as these brands start to increase their, their presence and prominence in the market? Yeah. I, you know, I think at a macro level, I, I have a, a question in my mind, and I'd be interested what, what you guys think, just about capacity. So if you look at the U.S. restaurant sort of space and how much capacity we have to produce, you know, restaurant meals, right, and what the demand is. Mm-hmm. What's that going to look like and how much of the market is frankly going to have to get sort of cleared out because there just won't be demand for it? Yep. Um, we're seeing a lot of virtual restaurant capacity get built right now. There's a lot of excess capacity, especially when we look at you know, downtown core areas. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's U.S., that's U.K., that's Canada, that's everywhere we operate. Um, and so I, I think there is going to be a reckoning in terms of like who's got the capacity, where is it, where is it sort of most efficient and best used? Um, and, and not dissimilar to what Amazon has done to retail, right? I mean, most of the virtual brands are basically, you know, looking where there's uptake from consumers and there's preference for consumer, and they're cranking out a virtual brand to sort of match that. Um, and, and that is typically taking away from some sort of local independent, right? So there's going to be a battle for capacity, and I, and I don't think we know what the answer is going to look like, right? The, the local restaurant has, you know, front of house to help consume some of that capacity, It'll always help them manage costs. You know, the virtual guys believe they've got sort of industrialization mm-hmm. and scale on their side, and, and that's going to be a bit of a battle, right? So there's this kind of macro thing playing out. You know, I think in, in, in terms of the actual operations, it's a much more sort of tech-heavy, data-reliant model, right? You don't have people in the front of the house that can signal there's you know 40 people in the line. You got to have a better sense for you know where the capacity is going to get used and how the, the flow of like an evening is going to go. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of demand for the tech. But, you know, I'd be interested in what you guys think about the macro question. 
because uh, there are plenty of the micro ones like that underneath. Yeah, we're going to get to the question part. I just wanted to give a shout out. You know, we had a cocktail party <laughs> at the Ghost Kitchen uh, conference. It was fantastic. It was Wednesday night, and uh, we had about a hundred people come to the I'm conference. To the to the yeah, it was over at the Hyatt Regency, and uh, I want to give a shout out to the GM over there, Daniel, who put together a great cocktail party. And it was interesting is though he he was from New York, he moved to Dallas. And he told me the reason he moved away from New York was because of people like Jimmy. He said he was so mean and treated him so poorly. And I said, well, you know, yeah, Jimmy's finance guy. Nobody likes him. I'm the restaurant guy, Daniel. I can, you know, and uh, so it was really it was fun to see that. And uh, and I joke because I'm never letting Jimmy live that one down. I had to go do damage control. Uh, at our cocktail party. But in all seriousness, we're going to get to uh, what we what we think about it. And you're going to ask a question and it's going to be awesome. But you mentioned data a couple times in the last uh, conversation. And we think it's super important. There's so much data with respect to to the restaurants and the restaurant business. What I want to know is what are your thoughts on data? What are your thoughts with regards to uh, what is Oracle seeing and what is Oracle doing with respect to data with, uh, within the hospitality space? And, and are there any plans? Uh, because, I mean, you guys have a, a giant company, so many arms. There's so much you can do. Can we just touch base a little bit about data and Oracle and micros in the hospitality space? Yeah, great. Look, it, it's certainly one of the great promises of the micros and Oracle combination, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Oracle has you know, a level of sophistication when we think about data, whether it's like our new autonomous database, data warehouse. Um, some of the things we're able to do with that in other industries, if you look at banking, if you look at manufacturing. And one of the great missions of the sort of micros and Oracle combination is to democratize a lot of that and bring it into the restaurant business, right? And so we look at look at kind of the pool of things we're able to do in terms of Working with data, you know, when you when you purchase a, a micro Oracle Micro Symphony subscription from us, you know, it comes with all of the AI tooling, mm-hmm. all of the machine learning tooling that is sort of part of Oracle. And then, you know, the, the challenge for us is to sort of put it to work for you. So we've got lots of instances, whether it's you know things like on kiosks using little algorithms to tune the consumer experience, like screen to screen as you're ordering, right? Or in really large ways about thinking around you know, historical data. And how we use you know what we know up to the moment to really tune how we're thinking about uh, you know assortments, how we're thinking about menus, how we're thinking about pricing, and kind of bringing that all all to one place. And so you know, a big part of the work of integrating Micros into Oracle has been to get you know all of that Oracle machinery geared so it can help the micro space. Uh, and so that's really a, a core part of the mission we're on day in day out. You see it across all of our. I mean, all of our customers are sort of consuming this. But, you know, the next big push for us is really around, you know, we talked about complexity in the industry, right? Service styles changing, mm-hmm. more on-premise, off-premise, all these blends. You know, that is a great set of machinery for to put data to work. And so, you know, one of those efforts is increased complexity in the restaurant business. You know, we've always had this challenge of waste in the industry, right? So sort of both a financial as well as a moral imperative, um, you know, how do we bring those two together? So for us, that's about, using the Oracle database, using the machinery we have around Micros and the transactions and helping our cons- our customers really tune how they think about day-to-day operations um, with all of that. And so those are the kinds of benefits we get from being sort of a part of Oracle. Uh, right. And, and partially what we see is really the next big break, especially with what's going on around us in terms of, you know, costs and, and cost of money and all this stuff. 
Very cool. I like that a lot. Um, I want to change gears a little bit. And actually, I think you were already uh, jonesing uh, for this. Uh, this He's trying show. to ask us a question, Jimmy, and I shut him down. <laughs> yes. Um, I, 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 know. I love how in the hospitality business, we always say we try to make it right for the for the guest. And here is our guest. As one ask a question, like, yeah, not going to happen. Uh, not on Chatsy's watch. This is entertainment, Jimmy. This is not hospitality. We're <laughs> not in the entertainment watch. business. Now. But now we are going to let Simon get involved because while we started this podcast so we can speak to other people um, and present their views and thoughts to our listeners, um, we found out along the way that our guests sometimes have questions for us. So our producer uh, created a section called Talking Back, where we allow guests to ask us and give a, you know give, give them a chance to ask us a question. Uh, nothing is off the table. So, Simon, the microphone is yours, sir. All right. I get, you know, the thing that's most interesting for me right now when we talk to people in the industry is, you know, what was the hardest lesson you learned through COVID, either in the portfolio or as operators? Oh, good one. Shatsy, operator question. You're up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jimmy. I didn't understand the question. What was the hardest thing we learned? Yeah. What was the toughest? The hardest thing. The biggest What was failure? the toughest thing about the pandemic? I think the hardest thing for me was, I mean, why did I get into the restaurant business, I think? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, all seriousness, I think, uh, I mean, closing down restaurants and letting people go and, and, and kind of letting a lot of employees that are working for years, both back in front of the house when we didn't know what was going on. I mean, that for me, first and foremost, was really, really crazy and really, really hard. And then as things kind of changed, we got to bring some people back, but we couldn't bring everybody back um, for, for so many reasons. And that to me was just, you know, the hardest thing that I've had to do, you know, ever. It was really just, it was just a, a crazy time. And, and just, I mean, I don't, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good question. Um, and as you heard from Shatz, I think um, on a very personal level, we had built up a fairly, not just large roster of, of, of headcount, um, but people that had been with us for a very long time. And when your sales are down 90%, um, and, and some stores are shut, shut completely. It just becomes this, this, this you know, domino effect. And it's very personal. You know, on the tech side, what I would say is, you know, and certainly predicting a pandemic is, is not something that I was, um, you know, wasn't in any of my purview or any part of my outlook. But I'd say the following you're either prepared for what's coming next or you're not. And, and if you're not prepared, how quickly can you pivot? Um, and, and I think about the criticality when the pandemic came crashing down on the industry. If you didn't have an off-premise solution, if you didn't have, if you weren't set up to run a delivery and take out and whatnot business, you were given a fairly short window to act and, and to change that. And to a certain extent, if I'm not mistaken, 50% of the industry wasn't even online when the pandemic uh, started and the flurry of activity. And the reason why speed mattered is you had to get in the queue of getting set up. You had to quickly start you know, securing resources, um, both at these companies and prioritization and whatnot. So thankfully, I mean, for our stores, that was something that we had already prepared, but as a investor in, in, in the space and as an advisor in the space, it was something that we were pushing on our hospitality network that, that this is now a major decision you need to make embrace it or you could risk and you know you could risk becoming extinct and to a certain extent we didn't know how long the pandemic pandemic would last whether people thought it was last longer or shorter i don't know but the fact remains if you didn't get online pretty quickly you were you were shut and probably not opening your doors so 
I thought that was a real critical decision for the industry to make. Um, many people were already set up to be online, and there were quite a quite a number of op- a meaningful percentage of the industry was not prepared. And then there was those who acted on it and got got online, and those who said they're not changing their ways. And I think a lot of those stores never reopened. Yeah. So there's my there's my thoughts. Yeah, as usual, Jimmy. It's always better than mine. I, well, mine I, was going like mine was. Uh, mine was like very more from the heart. Yours was you know, cold, but that's all right. You're finance guy. I'm the restaurant. You know. There we uh, have it. Let's just let, <laughs> let's let's just touch base real quick. Uh, tech stack, top of the tech stack, Simon. Want to ask you a question? If you had to give any advice to operators out there today, what areas of hospitality technology, other than obviously you know Oracle and Micros, of course? What would you recommend to operators as it should be on the top of their minds, top of their tech stack? You got to have this. If you're not doing it now, you got to have this. What would it be? Yeah. Uh, you know, for me right now, and it's the conversation we're having with, with everyone every day, is, you know, how, what tools you're using to improve employee experience, you know, to improve mm-hmm. how you're interacting, how you're scheduling, how you're, you know, you're handling the experience of being an employee in our industry. Um, is, is really at the forefront. We're seeing a lot of amazing innovation in terms of, you know, mobile apps, training, uh, and I just you know, the more we can take that up, the more we're going to safeguard. You know, the industry is a great place to have a career that, that attracts people, and so we see it as, as frankly, not even an option right now. Short and sweet. I like that, Jimmy. Something I've never you been. You could take a cue from that, Jimmy. I can, you could take. I, 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 I can learn from that. Time, you're right? sweet, but not short. Oh, yeah, that's definitely not you're short. Not, <laughs> you're sweet, though. Um, let, Daniel, Daniel over at the Hyatt Regency, not so much. <laughs> he uh, let's let's go to our crystal ball moment. We're gonna give uh, Simon give you our give you our chance uh, to put on your uh, your Kreskin or your Miss Cleo hat, and you're gonna predict the future. So, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now? in relation to hospitality and tech. We're only asking to go out two years, but the fact is we know things are changing really quickly. So that is a substantial amount of time. Uh, restaurants and dining uh, in relation to hospitality and tech two years from now. Yeah, I think, you know, tech at the center of, frankly, the service experience, right? As we're seeing, uh, probably a bit of a broken record, but, you know, integrated experiences that cross your own device, cross service staff, cross the kitchen, and, and really tighten them all up. I think. You know, the service styles that we would be talking about 24 months are, are already sort of disappearing. And in two years, you will see you know, them largely gone and, and really these mobile experiences at the heart of, of, frankly, every experience. It's not going away. It's only going to increase. That's awesome. Let me just do a quick intro before Shetty does it for himself. Thanks, Jim. This is the best section of the entire podcast, and it belongs to Michael Shasper. Yes, this is the best segment of the entire uh, podcast. We keep it towards the end because we want to build up to it. This is the brand of Quickfire. It's it's my brainchild. I came up with all the idea. I came up with all the questions. And it's really my baby. So, Simon, I'm going to ask you five questions. Uh, don't think too quick. It's a lightning round. You got to go quick. Are you ready? I'm ready. Five questions. Here we go. Outdoor or indoor sports? Outdoor. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? I'm cooking. I like it. What's your favorite food city in the world? Uh, Singapore. Interesting. I don't even know what kind of food they have over there. That's Singaporeese. <laughs> it's amazing. Man. When travel resumes, <laughs> resumes <laughs> to mm-hmm. complete normalcy, where's the first place you want to go? I would say Sicily. Sicily? That's in Italy, Jimmy. 
I think I think I knew that. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of bowling, who would you have the better odds of beating? I think Jimmy would run the numbers and really know know what was up. So I think I'm going with you, Shazzy. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, Simon, that's a good decision. Not only do I usually uh, do usually p- people choose to challenge Shatsy, think they could take down Shatsy, but this is one sport. The bowling is Jimmy's game. It's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> this is any I mean, sport. Bowling, <laughs> bowling, and darts. Yes, any sport where you get a little better with a couple adult cocktails. That's my game. And bowling is certainly yeah, one of them. Jimmy loves a- those shoes. He yes. loves those 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 shoes. He puts those shoes on. Forget about it. The guy is like tippy toe uh, McGee or whatever it is out there. But uh, yes, Jimmy, you are as usual. Always, uh, everyone always picks you. Uh, you know, they'll beat me. I'll tell you where I'm going to put one of those shoes, Shatsy. I'll tell you when we're offline where I'm going to stick one of those shoes right up your anyway. Show, show, Jimmy. Remember that we talked about family that. show. Listen, um, I want to wrap this up with saying, Simon, how much we appreciate uh, you joining us uh, for the hospitality hangout and your and your great insights. Uh, we appreciate your you know your hard work for the industry, not just during this uh, most challenging time, um, but always. So we appreciate that. Hey guys, thanks ever so much for having me. Really, really appreciate it, and uh, appreciate certainly all you guys have done to publicize lots of great startups. And to, how much did you enjoy it? No, this was on a scale of one to ten. I'll give I'll give you guys a nine. Amazing. I Just think it, you, I, I, you on that. I think it was the highlight of Simon's 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, this week. I think, uh, t- sorry, today. It was the highlight of his <laughs> two o'clock. Uh, you know, time is, is what we just did. Well, I think Scott, Scott, who uh, who handles uh, marketing and PR for Oracle, I think he's second guessing why, why <laughs> would I ever allow this to go on? But no, this was this was great. Thanks, Simon. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with Simon directly, you can email us. You're going to email Brandon. We don't give out our guests. I have a cell phone right here. I have a cell phone. So you can email us at podcast at brandedstrategic.com. That's podcast at brandedstrategic.com. And we'd be happy to make the introduction. Or you can go directly to Oracle dot com backslash food and beverage so oracle oracle.com backslash food and beverage to our listeners can we um, talk about the special should we, can we talk about the special offer or no um i think you already simon has agreed simon and scott have agreed that the first person who uh who emails the uh, podcast at brandestrategic.com the first person you get to go with a guest onto one of Larry Ellenson's gigantic boats uh, to the Mediterranean. I think that's where it's going, to the Mediterranean. Yes. You realize the realize so that's the, pretty the, cool. That's pretty cool. And thank you to Oracle for that. That's awesome. You, you do realize every time you mention uh, Mr. Ellenson and his boats, the chance of of getting him on the podcast goes down by ten percentage points per time you've mentioned it. So we're like a negative negative thirty percent chance yeah. now. Negative thirty. That's not right. good. It's not so I good. apologize. Then I yes. apologize. Yes. Show what respect. about the boat trip? Is that not happening? Not happening. Um, but I'll tell you to our listeners. We want to actually thank you very much for tuning in with us. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And the fact that so many of you are now hanging out with us is just awesome. Um, and we appreciate it. And listen. Got a good guest uh, next week, Jimmy. Yes. Don't forget to join us next week when our friend uh, Abhinav uh, Kapoor from the CEO. We just say Abby. We just call him Abby. Abby, okay. I, I wanted to give him the proper show, full respect. Uh, Abhinav Kapoor, uh, CEO and co-founder at Bicky, will be joining us. We expect that to be a very fun and awesome segment. Um, a lot of good. Talk about data. Bicky comes to mind. 
Talk about data. Um, and listen, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on some of the exciting guests we'll have coming up in the future. And better yet, why don't you invite a friend to join us? So until then, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, thanking Simon and passing it to Shatsy to close us out. Yep, this is the Restaurant Kai, uh, a.k.a. Shatsy. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Hospitality Hangout. And, of course, our guest, Simon. This was awesome. Uh, thanks, everybody. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. 